Alamapa friends, welcome to Scattering Angels. It is the third day of honor, the year 175 of the Badi calendar. It is January 1st, 2019 of the Gregorian calendar. Happy Gregorian New Year. I'm going to read today from some answered questions by Abdu'l-Baha. I'm reading the chapter on spiritual proofs. On my copy, it is page 73 through 77. In this material world, time has cycles. Places change through alternating seasons. And for souls, there are progress, retrogression, and education. At one time, it is the season of spring. At another, it is the season of autumn. And again, it is the season of summer or the season of winter. In the spring, there are the clouds which send down the precious rain, the musk-scented breezes and life-giving zephyrs. The air is perfectly temperate. The rain falls, the sun shines, the fecundating wind wafts, the clouds, the world is renewed, and the breath of life appears in plants, in animals, and in men. Earthly beings pass from one condition to another. All things are clothed in new garments, and the black earth is covered with herbage. Mountains and plains are adorned with verdure. Trees bear leaves and blossoms. Gardens bring forth flowers and fragrant herbs. The world becomes another world, and it attains to a life-giving spirit. The earth was a lifeless body. It finds a new spirit and produces endless beauty, grace, and freshness. Thus the spring is the cause of new life and infuses a new spirit. Afterward comes the summer, when the heat increases and growth and development attain their greatest power. The energy of life in the vegetable kingdom reaches to the degree of perfection. The fruit appears and the time of harvest ripens. A seed has become a sheaf and the food is stored for winter. Afterward comes tumultuous autumn, when unwholesome and sterile winds blow. It is the season of sickness, when all things are withered and the balmy air is vitiated. The breezes of spring are changed to autumn winds. The fertile green trees have become withered and bare. Flowers and fragrant herbs fade away. The beautiful garden becomes a dust heap. Following this comes the season of winter with cold and tempests. It snows, rains, hails, storms, thunders, and lightens, freezes, and congeals. All plants die, and animals languish and are wretched. When this state is reached, again a new life-giving spring returns, and the cycle is renewed. The season of spring, with its host of freshness and beauty, spreads its tent in the plains and mountains with great pomp and magnificence. A second time the form of the creatures is renewed, and the creation of beings begins afresh. Bodies grow and develop. The plains and wildernesses become green and fertile. Trees bring forth blossoms, and the spring of last year returns in the utmost fullness and glory. Such is, and such ought to be, the cycle and succession of existence. Such is the cycle and revolution of the material world. It is the same with the spiritual cycles of the prophets. That is to say, the day of the appearance of the holy manifestations is the spiritual springtime. 
It is the divine splendor. It is the heavenly bounty, the breeze of life, the rising of the sun of reality. Spirits are quickened, hearts are refreshed and invigorated. Souls become good. Existence is set in motion. Human realities are gladdened and grow and develop in good qualities and perfections. General progress is achieved and revival takes place, for it is the day of resurrection, the time of excitement and ferment, and the season of bliss, of joy, of intense rapture. Afterward, the life-giving spring ends in fruitful summer. The word of God is exalted. The law of God is promulgated. All things reach perfection. The heavenly table is spread. The holy breezes perfume the east and the west. The teachings of God conquer the world. Men become educated. Praiseworthy results are produced. Universal progress appears in the world of humanity and the divine bounties surround all things. The sun of reality rises from the horizon of the kingdom with the greatest power and heat. When it reaches the meridian, it will begin to decline and descend, and the spiritual summer will be followed by autumn, when growth and development are arrested. Breezes change, change into blighting winds, and the unwholesome season dissipates the beauty and freshness of the gardens, plains, and bowers. That is to say, attraction and goodwill do not remain. Divine qualities are changed. The radiance of hearts is dimmed. The spirituality of souls is altered. Virtues are replaced by vices, and holiness and purity disappear. Only the name of the religion of God remains, and the exoteric forms of the divine teachings. The foundations of the religion of God are destroyed and annihilated, and nothing but forms and customs exist. Divisions appear, firmness is changed into instability, and spirits become dead, hearts languish, souls become inert, and winter arrives. That is to say, the coldness of ignorance envelops the world, and the darkness of human error prevails. After this comes indifference, disobedience, inconsiderateness, indolence, baseness, animal instincts, and the coldness and insensibility of stones. It is like the season of winter when the terrestrial globe, deprived of the effect of the heat of the sun, becomes desolate and dreary. When the world of intelligence and thought has reached to this state, there remain only continual death and perpetual non-existence. When the season of winter has had its effect, again the spiritual springtime returns, and a new cycle appears. Spiritual breezes blow, the luminous dawn gleams, the divine clouds give rain, the rays of the sun of reality shine forth. The contingent world attains unto a new life and is clad in a wonderful garment. All the signs and the gifts of the past springtime reappear with perhaps even greater splendor in this new season. The spiritual cycles of the sun of reality are like the cycles of the material sun. They are always revolving and being renewed. The sun of reality, like the material sun, has numerous rising and dawning places. One day it rises from the zodiacal sign of Cancer, another day from the sign of Libra or Aquarius. Another time, it is from the sign of Aries that it diffuses its rays. 
But the sun is one sun and one reality. The people of knowledge are lovers of the sun and are not fascinated by the places of its rising and dawning. The people of perception are the seekers of the truth and not of the places of, it, of its appearance, nor of its dawning points. Therefore, they will adore the sun from whatever point in the zodiac it may appear, and they will seek the reality in every sanctified soul who manifests it. Such people always attain to the truth and are not veiled from the sun of the divine world. So the lover of the sun and the seeker of the light will always turn toward the sun, whether it shines from the sign of Aries or gives its bounty from the sign of Cancer or radiates from Gemini. But the ignorant and uninstructed are lovers of the signs of the zodiac and enamored and fascinated by the rising places and not by the sun. When it was in the sign of Cancer, they turned toward it, though afterward the sun changed to the sign of Libra. As they were lovers of the sign, they turned toward it and attached themselves to it and were de deprived of the influences of the sun merely because it had changed its place. For example, once the sun of reality poured forth its rays from the sign of Abraham, and then it dawned from the sign of Moses and illuminated the horizon. Afterwards, it rose with the greatest power and brilliancy from the sign of Christ. Those who were the seekers of reality worshipped that reality wherever they saw it, but those who were attached to Abraham were deprived of its influences when it shone upon Sinai and illumined the reality of Moses. Those who held fast to Moses when the sun of reality shone from Christ with the utmost radiance and lordly splendor were also veiled, and so forth. Therefore, man must be the seeker after the reality, and he will find that reality in each of the sanctified souls. He must be fascinated and enraptured and attracted to the divine bounty. He must be like the butterfly who is the lover of the light from whatever lamp it may shine, and like the nightingale who is the lover of the rose in whatever garden it may grow. If the sun were to rise in the west, it would still be the sun. One must not withdraw from it on account of its rising place, nor consider the west to be always the place of sunset. In the same way, one must look for the heavenly bounties and seek for the divine aurora. In every place where it appears, one must become its distracted lover. Consider that if the Jews had not kept turning to the horizon of Moses and had only regarded the sun of reality, without any doubt they would have recognized the sun in the dawning place of the reality of Christ, in the greatest divine splendor. But alas, a thousand times alas, attaching themselves to the outward words of Moses, they were deprived of the divine bounties and the lordly splendors. All right, that was kind of difficult for me to read for some reason. Anyway, we're going to continue with our reading of the Hidden Words of Baha'u'llah from the Arabic. We are on the 61st and 62nd Hidden Word. O Son of Man, ascend unto my heaven, that thou mayest obtain the joy of reunion, and from the chalice of imperishable glory quaff the peerless wine. O son of man, many a day hath passed over thee whilst thou hast busied thyself with the fancies, with thy fancies and idle imaginings. How long art thou to slumber on thy bed? 
Lift up thy head from slumber, for the sun hath risen to the zenith. Haply it may shine upon thee with the light of beauty. I'm going to close with a prayer today. This is a visitation prayer. It's normally written. It's normally read at the shrine of Baha'u'llah. I'm sorry, it's normally read at the shrine of Abdu'l-Baha. But it says very clearly in the Baha'i prayer book that it may be read in private. It says, this prayer revealed by Abdu'l-Baha is read at his shrine. It is also used in private prayer. Whoso reciteth this prayer with lowliness and fervor will bring gladness and joy to the heart of this servant. It will be even as meeting him face to face. He is the all-glorious. O God, my God, lowly and tearful, I raise my suppliant hands to thee and cover my face in the dust of that threshold of thine. Exalted above the knowledge of the learned and the praise of all that glorify thee, graciously look upon thy servant, humble and lowly at thy door, with the glances of the eye of thy mercy, and immerse him in the ocean of thine eternal grace. Lord, he is a poor and lowly servant of thine, enthralled in imploring thee, captive in thy hand, praying fervently to thee, trusting in thee, in tears before thy face, calling to thee and beseeching thee, saying, O Lord my God, give me thy grace to serve thy loved ones. Strengthen thee, Strengthen me in my servitude to thee. Illumine my brow with the light of adoration in thy court of holiness and of prayer to thy kingdom of grandeur. Help me to be selfless at the whole heavenly entrance of thy gate and aid me to be detached from all things within thy holy precincts. Lord, give me to drink from the chalice of selflessness with its robe clothe me and in its ocean immerse me. Make me as dust in the pathway of thy loved ones, and grant that I may offer up my soul for the earth, ennobled by thy footsteps of thy chosen ones in thy path, O Lord of glory in the highest. With this prayer doth thy servant call thee, at dawn-tide and in the night season. Fulfill his heart's desire, O Lord, illumine his heart, gladden his bosom, kindle his light, that he may serve thy cause and thy servants. Thou art the bestower, the pitiful, the most bountiful, the gracious, the merciful, the compassionate. Abdu'l Baha. Thank you for joining me at Scattering Angels on this first day of 2019. I hope to be able to do another episode this week. Thank you for your patience and have a wonderful, glorious day. Thank you again.